Welcome to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, sir. You. Plastics. Exactly. How do you mean? There's a great future in plastics. Think about it. Will you think about it? Yes, I will. Enough said. That's a deal. Of course, that one word was, is, and continues to be plastics. You remember that line from The Graduate, that movie that was so very boring to me back when I was a young man. But plastics make the world go round. The device that you are listening to the Truth Hurts program on today contains plastics. The car you drive, the house in which you live, the office in which you work, every single bottle of bottled water that you drink, unless of course it's the more ritzy bottled waters that come in glass. Plastics, one word, plastics, think about it. Okay, now why did I bring up plastics? I was just looking at videos and was looking at the ridiculousness of the plastics, the plexiglass that separates you and I from store clerks, motor vehicles department clerks. And virtually everyone and everywhere you go, these clear plastic plexiglass sheets that separate human beings from potential contact. The plastics industry prior to the COVID-19 virus outbreak was chugging along just fine. My question to you at the beginning of the Wuhan, China novel coronavirus of 2019 through 2024 was follow the money. Of course, we follow the money of many of the lawmakers who suddenly, prior to COVID, invested in large pharmaceutical company stocks and in plexiglass manufacturers because they all had insider information warning them ahead of time about what was about to occur. I made a comment when I saw the first plexiglass panel go up at a checkout counter at a convenience store and I said to myself, yep, I should have invested in plastics. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Truth Hurts program. It is Friday, Groundhog Day 2024. And the second most revered rat on planet Earth, Puxatawney Phil, says he did not see his shadow, and they are predicting an early spring. According to the LRC meteorological prediction charts, I think the rat is wrong. I do believe that we are in for some more cold snaps prior to spring. And a meteorologist out of Fox 8 in New Orleans is agreeing with me. The rat is wrong and we will be seeing more bouts of winter over the next six weeks. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But it is what it is. I didn't spend an hour watching all of the Puxatawney Phil celebration this year. It was not worth my time. 
just give me the facts, right? The wait is over, Groundhog Day has arrived, we eagerly awaited what the prognostic rodent predicted, and unfortunately, he is saying it's going to be an early spring, but the real meteorologists out there, people with degrees, say it will be colder. Historic snowfall, record-smashing cold, winter has been in high gear all across January in Canada and in the northern tier of states, with multiple very, very cold weather events happening as far south as Miami, Florida. Why would you put your future in the hands of a rodent? Lucy the Lobster in Barrington Pass, Nova Scotia has predicted six more weeks of winter. Who says groundhogs are the only ones who can predict the weather? Lucy in Barrington Passage, Nova Scotia up there in Canada is a local celebrity who draws a crowd each year on Groundhog Day. Lucy has bad news. She did see her shadow and predicted six more weeks of winter. But siding with Puxatawney Phil this year was Shubenacady Sam, scheduled to have been the first prognosticator to reveal predictions, but she was fashionably late, making her predictions a few minutes after Lucy the Lobster. Shubenacady Sam says early spring. But since the animal kingdom seems to be in a bit of a disarray as to what is going to happen, we checked with Fred Lamarmotte in Quebec, Canada, who is also predicting an early spring. The results were made in front of the permaculture school in Val d'Espoir. Fred had good news for winter-weary folks. Spring is supposedly just around the corner. But that's not a, the only animal, my friends. Wyarton Willie in Ontario, Canada says an early spring, making his prediction around 8 o'clock this morning Eastern Time. And Manitoba Merv, the local Groundhog Day celebrant children's puppet at Manitoba, Canada, is also predicting an early spring. Meanwhile, over in Alberta, Canada, Balzac Billy, that's not Balzac, but Balzac Billy is a pig, a hog in disguise, and is also predicting an early spring. So, if you're listening to the animals, put away your winter coats. If you're listening to learned, educated scientists in many parts of the country, expect more cold weather to come. As I said, it is Friday, and you know what that means. It's Friday. Hooray, it's Friday. Today is Friday. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Fridays. Everybody from the world right to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday. I'm so happy it's Friday. Thank God.
like it. Is that okay? Thank God it's Friday. Get a clue, Steve. Shut the f up, Steve. I hate your voice. I hate you. Shut up. Oh my God, I don't care. We'll rock off now and take the next two days off. How's that? And you thought I was going to let you get away with a Friday without the Friday theme song. There it is, my friends. A lot of you request it. I don't know if it makes your day or if it's uh, something you share with your friends and say, hey, listen to this really cool Friday opening theme song from the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. And if that's what you do, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. I do very much appreciate every time you share this program with someone either that you love or you despise. It's especially rewarding to me when you get someone who hates conservatism and common sense to listen to simply one episode of the Truth Hurts program. They either become loyal listeners, educated, enlightened, entertained, and informed, or they become trolls, only utilizing this program for the purpose of giving them something to be angry about. The Western Journal's Randy DeSoto wrote an article entitled, Speaker Mike Johnson releases a list of 64 Biden policy decisions that undermined border security. In a speech from the House floor on Wednesday, Speaker Johnson highlighted a list of 64 actions taken by gropey Joe Biden's administration that have undermined security at our southern border with Mexico. The list, of course, includes Biden directing the border wall construction to come to a halt his very first day on the job, and then submitting legislation calling for a pathway to citizenship for criminal, law-breaking, illegal immigrants. Johnson also noted that Biden lifted limitations and restrictions against immigration from certain countries associated with terrorism that Donald Trump had put in place. The president rescinded the remain in Mexico policy. He placed a 100-day moratorium on deportations, which has now lasted almost three full years. And the Biden administration has greatly reduced the number eligible for deportation thereafter. Biden administration suspended agreements with El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras that were intended to stem the flow of illegal immigrants. He expanded the parole of illegal immigrants, making asylum claims at the U.S. increase to unprecedented levels. You might recall on Wednesday, a reporter asked Joe Biden, have you done everything you can do with executive authority to address the border crisis? The president responded, I've done all I can do. Just give me the power I asked for the very day I got in office. Give me the border patrol. Give me the people that judge asylum claims. Give me the people who can stop this and make it work rationally. Joe Biden, my friends, is an idiot. Joe Biden was handed an administration with the lowest levels of immigration illegally in the last 40 years. He's done all he can do. Give me the power. You have the power. Executive order. Build the wall. Close the border. 
deport the criminal illegal immigrants. A former member of a drug cartel says that Biden's border policies are aiding and abetting the drug cartels. He said the drugs, the people, the cartels are coming in. I mean, they're just taking advantage of every situation of these border crossings. Mike Johnson, in his first speech from the floor of the House since becoming Speaker in October, asserted that Biden and Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas have designed this catastrophe. He said, quote, Now, rather than accept any accountability or responsibility for what they've clearly done, President Biden wants to somehow try to shift the blame to Congress. If Biden were serious about addressing the border crisis, Mike Johnson says, quote, he needs to demonstrate good faith and take immediate action to secure that border, but he won't do it. He pointed out, Mike Johnson did, the fentanyl crisis, the human trafficking victims flooding into the country, all of the deaths from fentanyl that have occurred because Biden let those drugs in with drug mules. Johnson says, I'm here this morning to beg of my colleagues to help us force the administration to take action. Biden's trying to make everybody think that somehow the Republicans cut funding for ICE, for the Border Patrol, for Customs and Border Protection. That's not the case. The money has been there for the last three full years since Biden took office. Biden himself has ordered Alejandro Mayorkas, the Border Patrol, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, Customs and Border Protection. He's ordered them to simply not control the flow of illegal immigrants at the border. 300 people that we've encountered are on the terrorist watch list. How many have gotten away? Speaker Johnson said that since Biden took office, there have been over 7 million encounters with migrants entering the U.S. illegally at the southern border. And they know of 1.8 million known gotaways. And how many more get away that we don't even know about? If so many terrorists were caught attempting to cross our borders, how many have been encountered undetected, Johnson asked. We suspect it is a much higher number, and he is correct. Speaker Johnson posted on Twitter, or X, the situation at our border presents a clear and present danger to our national security. Biden continues to play the blame game and continues to do absolutely nothing to secure our border from the massive invasion. That, my friends, is treason. And that, my friends, is why Joe Biden must be impeached and removed from office immediately. But I don't think the Republicans have the balls to do it. And that's why, you know what? I've said it before and I'll say it again. Perhaps in November of 2024, we should just go ahead and re-elect Joe Biden. Why not? Country's going to shit anyway. Republicans don't have the balls to do anything about it. Put Biden in for another four years. And go ahead and fill the Congress, both houses, the Senate and the House of Representatives. Fill them with Democrats, liberals, progressives, wokes. Just go ahead and vote Democrat, my friends. Just do it. Just do it. 
And then there will be whining and crying and gnashing of teeth after the country is utterly and literally destroyed and it will be too late to resurrect it. But hey, you want to screw it up. You guys want to go ahead and do that. Be my guest. Go ahead. Be my guest. Biden is going to start World War III. That's what Joy Reid said on a hot mic the other day. She stopped reading her teleprompter of things that her network wants her to say. And she spoke the truth for probably the first time in her life. She said Joe Biden is going to start another fucking war. The F word. She let it slip. And she's right. As fears of a nuclear apocalypse continue to mount with Joe Biden as your president, starting this war and that war and agitating the Russians, the Chinese, the Iraqis, the Iranians, the North Koreans, some prospective homebuyers in the U.S. are now considering locations to look for property in which to live after a nuclear holocaust. Real estate experts have concluded that the places in America that are best suited for nuclear war survival are in those remote rural areas with warm climates and access to both water and fertile soil for farming. They've recommended, of course, wisely, to stay away from densely populated urban cities, places with mass transportation, shopping centers, and other convenient amenities that are traditionally desirable for people to live. Andy Ragusa is the CEO of Remy Realty on Long Island, New York, and he told the Daily Mail publication, quote, in the event of nuclear war, the location of your home can determine the chances for survival. What used to be important when purchasing a home, such as great school districts, being close to shopping or near public transportation, is now changing to warm climates, access to water, access to food. Parts of California, Florida, and Texas that are away from their large cities, like San Francisco, Miami, or Houston, are ideal because they're near water and have good weather. Ragusa says if you live near water, you'll always be near food. And water can be ingested after it has been desalinated if you're going to live along a saltwater coastline. He advised buying homes in places along the Mississippi River like Arkansas, Illinois, Louisiana, Kentucky, Iowa, Minnesota, Mississippi, Missouri, Wisconsin, and Tennessee. Russia continues to escalate nuclear threats in the midst of their war on the Ukraine. North Korea's nuclear arsenal is growing. Last week, the fears were elevated as the doomsday clock was set at 90 seconds to midnight, and the threat of nuclear catastrophe has never been so great, they claim. The Midwest and the Southeast, due to fresh water and farmland, and the Rocky Mountains, which are difficult for nuclear warheads to reach, were also considered good places to live in the event of Joe Biden starting World War III and bringing nuclear disaster to the vast majority of planet Earth. Tony Druznov writes, White House braces for ongoing protests after interruptions of Biden's speech by protesters. 
In the aftermath of a speech delivered by Biden on reproductive rights, the White House is preparing for a surge in protests at future events. Clashes between Joe Biden and pro-Palestinian protesters during that recent speech ignited debate over the extent to which public dissent will become a staple of Biden appearances. Do you think those protests will appear at every Biden appearance? I think they will. Observers are questioning whether the recent confrontation was an isolated incident or a sign of a broader trend of Americans openly discussing their disgust with President Joe Biden. The president says he stands firm on his commitment to baby murder. Of course, he calls it reproductive rights. But to me, it's the right to murder a baby, an unarmed, defenseless baby in the womb. Now, I have been warning you for quite some time now that the right to free speech, the right to redress your grievances with your government, the right to free press, the right to freedom of expression, freedom of religion, the freedom of assembly, the freedom to protest are all in danger under the Democratic Party rule that we are currently in the middle of. As the president stands firm on his commitment to murdering babies, the White House is grappling with the specter of continuous interruptions at his events, raising concerns about the impact on the Biden administration's messaging. The president's acknowledgement of the passionate public views and the expectation of protest raises the questions of whether these voices are genuine expressions of dissent or whether they're strategically utilized for political purposes. I knew somewhere in this article they would try and blame Republicans. The next section of this article says passionate public or political ploy. The ongoing protests beg the question, is the president prepared for a relentless wave of dissent or are these passionate voices being strategically leveraged to further the political agendas of the far right? Well, you mean to tell me someone in Republican land finally got the message that we can do to a Democrat president what they did to a Republican president? It's a delicate balancing act, right? Biden rarely comes out of his basement. In fact, he was called Puxatawney Joe a couple of times this year because he only comes out of his basement once in a while predicts some more gloom and doom at the hand of Republicans, and then goes back into hiding until his next massive dose of Adderall is administered so that he can come out and give another mumbling, fumbling, muttering, puttering, shuddering, stuttering, stammering, piss-poor excuse of a speech. But I digress. Joe Biden is not fit for office. He is certainly not fit to run this nation, except to run it into the ground. Now, this next article, the title will probably make you scratch your head. When, I ask you, is a gasoline price hike advantageous? The answer is, of course, if it costs Joe Biden re-election. Julia Shapiro writes in the Hill publication, gas price surge could cost Biden re-election, according to Moody's. A surge in gasoline and diesel prices at the pump 
could indeed cost President Biden the re-election in Moody's latest analysis. Moody's currently predicts that Biden might narrowly win the 2024 election based on political and economic factors, but after surging to a record high of more than $5 a gallon in 2022, the average price has fallen to $3 a gallon. However, Moody's says they expect gasoline prices to rise to over $3.5 a gallon by election day. I hope it goes to 4 or maybe 5 bucks a gallon. I hope it rises well over $4 a gallon before election day. And I hope that Donald Trump stands up before a microphone and says, You see? You see what this guy has done? He raises the price to $5 a gallon on average, hurting the pocketbooks of average everyday people like you. And then he lets it drop just a little bit so he can get a little bit of headway. He gets a little bit in the form of draining the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, endangering the lives of our military, and hurting our economy. But now we see the truth. He can't keep the prices artificially low forever. And now he's rising those prices right before the election, and you are paying the price. Very, very bad. Very bad, Joe Biden. Very bad. What happens in America is we, the people, have a very short attention span. We don't pay attention to the details. Joe Biden created the massive high fuel prices. And the market allowed them to come down slightly. Joe Biden's trying to take credit. Look, we've lowered the price of gasoline by $2 a gallon in the last two years. Well, that's like saying, look, everybody. I set this house on fire and it's now ablaze. But I, Joe Biden, am going to pour a cup of water on it in the hopes that the fire will go out. The fire is still raging. The price of gasoline is still more than double what it was when Donald Trump was in office. It goes back up to $5.25, $5.50 a gallon. You can bet your ass Joe Biden will not get reelected. So I hope that each and every one of you can stomach a few dollars a gallon more for gasoline between now and the November elections. Anything to keep that clown from getting a second term. That clown, of course, being gropey Joe Biden. You are listening to the Truth Hurts program. Stay locked in, locked in, and turn it up. Steve C. and the Truth Hurts program. Hello, you've reached the voicemail of Joe Drake, Snowflake. Before you leave your message, please understand that I am a very sensitive person and I hope that you will kindly use care, compassion, empathy, and understanding when leaving your message. Kindly refrain from calling me Mr. Drake. I am very concerned about gender identity matters. Also, please do not use any gender identifying pronouns in your message, such as he or she, him or her, his or hers, when referring to any other persons in your message, as these are personal triggers for me. In addition, understand that I am a fluid individual and that specific details about places, times, or people can be triggering. Finally, please speak softly and don't repeat your phone number, as I don't need for you to be condescending or presume that I'm not capable of understanding what you said the first time. 
so please listen for the C-sharp tone and leave your compassionate message. If I deem it worthy, I will respond at a time of my choosing, so as to not interrupt the feng shui of my journey. And this is what has become of the United States of America. No more. Hi, this is Mike. I can't get to the call right now. Please leave your name, number, and a brief message, and I'll get back to you. Now, now people have to put out their whole social agenda on their voicemail messages. It's a good thing we don't pay per minute for cell phone calls like we had to do back in the 80s and the 90s, and pretty much everything is unlimited now. Hey, if you're planning a trip overseas, make damn sure you contact your cell phone carrier here in the United States and activate your international calling plan. If you don't, you might come back to the States with one hell of a phone bill. Just a public service message from your friends at the Truth Hurts program. All right, gang, it looks like we've run out of time for this edition. So go out there and have a fantastic weekend. If you're down in the New Orleans area, I will be parading in the Knights of Nemesis Carnival Crew Parade in Chalmette, Louisiana, down in St. Bernard Parish near New Orleans, Saturday morning starting at 11 a.m. Stuffed animals, fortune cookies, bouncy balls, all types of little foods and trinkets to be tossed out from the old green vintage Volkswagen bus. Hope to see you out there. See you next time and have a great weekend. Thank you for listening. Copyright 2024, The Truth Hurts Program Network, all rights reserved. Background music, Jason Shaw and Audionautics.